Welcome to the Rise Up Good Witch podcast, a radical anti-capitalist approach to herbalism, self-care, and the tarot. Welcome to the 75th episode of the Rise Up Good Witch podcast. This is Karina. I'm so excited to be back, y'all. It's been about four months since the last episode. Um, I'm coming back from a sabbatical from some much needed time off, and I'm so excited to be doing the podcast again, um, lining up some really amazing guests for this fall. I can't wait to share them with you. Today's conversation is part one of two and is the third collaboration between myself and tarot reader and writer Sanyu Estelle. We call this episode Tarot for Adapting to a Post-Pandemic World Approaching Climate Collapse. And we kind of chose that name um, back in the spring before I decided to go on sabbatical. And it's we talk about this in the episode, but you know, the realization this summer that we're actually not in a post-pandemic world. We are still very much in the pandemic, obviously, with the Delta virus, with the spread of infection and the death toll continuing to rise. And there's a lot to be said for this. There's a lot of political tension between sides, a lot of conspiracy theories gaining a lot of ground. So Sanyu and I really talk a little bit about this and definitely check out the links in the show notes because... She really dropped some knowledge that I didn't know about, about some controversial spiritual leaders um, that have been called out for their abuse of power and their abuse of behavior. And that kind of goes with our conversation about what it's like to be in a Hierophant year. What is it like to be associating with the Hierophant um, and the fives in tarot during this year of kind of like, not quite post-pandemic, but more than a year into a pandemic world, like, you know, more, another year into climate apocalypse. Um, so we are in, we continue to be in trying times. I don't expect that to let up, but creating um, content, creating analysis, creating reflection with people that I admire respect is a great anecdote for the grief of these times. There is a video of Sanyua and I talking. We recorded for almost two hours, so this episode is going to be split into two parts. Um, the other part, part two, will come out next week or the week after, sometime in September. And um, if you want to watch the whole unedited conversation on video, you can go to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash riseupgoodwitch. A pledge of $5 or more is an amazing support for sustaining this work. Uh, definitely, you know, need to get some more support in um, so I can continue to uh, compensate my guests for their time or choose a place to donate to because some of my guests choose to make a donation instead of um, receiving a payment. So check out the Patreon. I also have a bonus episode that I just did for the New Moon in Virgo. So you can listen to that. You can watch the video. There's tons of other content on Patreon. It's just $5 a month. I've been off of Instagram. I may be returning to Instagram with the help of a social media manager, but it won't really be in the same format. So if you're interested in content that is specifically made by me for y'all, check out the Patreon. And for $10 or higher a month on Patreon, you can join a monthly group chat, uh, a tarot Q&A, a tarot discussion. If you are looking for more information about how to read tarot, advice on interpretations, lessons, etc., and you want to gather with other Rise Up Good Witch listeners, the first meeting is going to be September 13th. That's next Monday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't make it, but you want to watch the video, I will be posting the video after, and that's for patrons of $10 or more. There's new elixirs in the shop. I've got a delicious fresh nettle elixir, um, mugwort and magic, and a couple of flower essences. A lot of stuff has been out of stock, so I'm just kind of in the process of restocking the apothecary, but definitely check that out. 
And also, if you want to work with me as a tarot client this fall, I have some space for you and I would love to meet you and we can talk um, about your trajectory and your pathways forward and do some like deep shadow Plutonian work on it um, with the use of astrology, tarot, flower essences. So if you go to my website, you can also book an appointment and we can get to know each other in that way. So I'm going to keep it short for now, but I'm excited to be connecting with listeners um, in various capacities and just want to say thank you for everybody that was so encouraging of taking this time, taking this pause, um, reminding me to take care of myself. I appreciate y'all and I really hope you love this episode with Sandy Estelle. Today we have our old favorite guest coming back again today, the amazing, the talented, the brilliant, Sanyu Estelle. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. How how are you? We were just talking about how we are, but how for everybody listening, how are you, Sanyu? I am okay. It's weird times. August is over. It's August 31st audience. So we are saying goodbye to the eighth month of 2021 already. It just, it feels like a profoundly confusing time. So the fact that I'm okay feels like I'm good as opposed to just being like, it's mediocre. No, it feels like fine. I'm like, I am stable. That's, that seems good in this day and age. How are you? <laughs> I yeah, I relate to that, and I feel like that's like a great jumping off point for um, our conversation. I'm also I feel like yeah, considering everything happening, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm really like I said, I'm really excited to talk to you today. And I listened to our last episode, Tarot as a Tool for Liberation, which now is a year old. Um, and I got a chance to sort of review what we talked about before. And it made me think about, you know, well, we'll get into it, but I feel like some of the things that you said in the last episode felt like they were like readings for me for the future. <laughs> so I will like be bringing that up, but I guess what was, what were we calling, um, the episode? Can you, you just read it? Um, oh yes. I just had it pulled up. Let me bring it up. We are calling the episode tarot for adapting to a post-pandemic world approaching climate collapse Very oh and no that was our first title sorry we did change it actually <laughs> i am totally lying then you emailed me back because we were like i'm back i'm ready and now we're calling it no i think that the way that you was it i was correct <laughs> okay you could be right yeah i mean and it's funny because we're not in a post-pandemic world you know <laughs> um <right>. and <laughs> I really started saying that like we're in a post pandemic world. And now that we're looking at what's happening, we're clearly not. And it sort of reminds me of, um, you know, the, the discourse around the idea of being post-colonial and how that's not really a thing. And it took me a while to understand that, like, we're still in colonialism. We're still in pandemic. Um, you know, according to many climate scientists, we actually are in climate apocalypse. Like we're, it's not coming. It is already beginning. It's here. Uh, so you know, it's 2021. Uh, a lot has changed in the last year and a lot has stayed the same. So it's almost like I think both of us and we'll get into this, both of us being like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> like, why am I good? It's sort of like, this is the new normal. So right. uh, exactly. Yeah. So I would love for us to just begin, you know, uh, speaking about the Hierophant, the Hierophant, however folks want to pronounce it, um, year and how it's been, um, what our takeaways so far have been, and also our personal card of the year uh, using what is known as like the Morgan Greer numerology method of um, figuring out your card of the year. So do you want to start or do you want me to start? Uh, host, it's your first podcast in a while, so I'll let you go first if you want to. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, I will. Um <laughs> 
Yeah. So the Hierophant year. And, you know, I will say, you know, one of the things I was really thinking about with the Hierophant and, um, you know, we did the, the first episode of the year was a spell for the collective with many of uh, former guests of this podcast, including yourself. Yeah. And um, we kind of like talked about what we were hoping for or what we were bringing in for the year. Um, and I think like for me, there hasn't been a lot of time to reflect on the bigger well, there has been a lot of time to reflect on the bigger picture, but in terms of how it relates to a Hierophant year, what I think about a lot is the fact that the Hierophant is a five. And the fives are known, I call them, like when I teach tarot, the way that I look at it is the fives are a plateau. Um, a lot of times in the minors, we're like moving on up, like one to four is like progress, 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 depending. And then you get to a five and there's like a stuntedness. Mm. There is um, a collapse of some sort, sometimes like a, a not a like severe structural collapse, but a, a deep grief. You know, I think going back to the idea of grief, like there is a grief in the fives because there's a. Um, reckoning with our own abilities or lack of abilities. So when I think about Hierophant, again, we think about the teacher. And mm -hmm. as I've been feeling, the Hierophant year is about being our own guide. We're not looking outward. We're not like looking externally. We're looking internally to find our own truth. And of course, like that gets complicated because we've got a lot of like political uh, upheaval right now. You know, like I, I tend, I'm very interested in like conspiracy theories and like, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, so I will go into like a, a black hole of like, you YouTube know, videos. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like the Hierophant is about, you know, deciphering information for ourselves. But then the problem is, and this is a bigger conversation, so many people are so um, stuck in like this, this national and historical gaslighting that has happened that there isn't the ability to decipher reality with like a, an awareness of what is actually happening. So that's the interesting thing about the fives is like, it is a reckoning in a way it's a grief and a reckoning and like are you able to look at that mirror and look within and i think like the hierophant year you know there's been there was a lot of um there was a lot of predictions i remember towards the end of the year about how in the hierophant year we were going to see a lot of like public accountability and calling out of spiritual leaders and spiritual guides who have been problematic and we see that with that's true yes yes <laughs> think, do you think that's happened a lot this year I've seen it happen. I mean, even, even, I don't remember when the John of God thing happened, but that was the beginning for me of the downfall. Cause John of God was like Oprah. He was like early, you know, the seventies est spiritual group kind of guru. When I found out he had like, he was enslaving women in his basement and impregnating them. And selling these children to people who wanted John of God children. When I started reading that, I was like, oh, we're on a, we're on a. And then just this month, Teal Swan. I yeah. And she, yeah. yeah. And she, you know, and it went into a, a basic surgery and she never came out, but her scandals did. <laughs> wow. So I totally agree that that's happened because at first when you were saying it i was like wondering if you're going to say it about politicians and i was like that's kind of happened but then when you moved to the spiritual leaders i was like yeah i know i do feel that in the spiritual community mm. yeah you know i'm gonna have to look into those because i'm very I'm, I'm just really maybe it's the pluto in the first house for me i'm just really fascinated by like the fall of people that have a lot of power and like their their secrets and like what they keep from others um and and like what well, you know and that's I won't, I don't want to get in like a whole, like going off on a whole offshoot about QAnon because you can be here all day, but it's like a lot of those people that follow that, I would say it's like, there's some true, like, okay, I don't want to, like, there's no, <laughs> what I mean is like, they're like, yeah, you're right to be skeptical of the system. You're right to be skeptical of the way things are run. You're right to think that there are secrets, but maybe you're, you're putting it in the wrong place. Like yeah. maybe you actually need to be distrustful more of like institutional harm doers, like prison systems instead of like this mythical 
you know, world of child trap, you know, that exists as QAnon describes it. So anyway, like, yeah, I, I definitely want to look into those people you're speaking about. But I think like the Hierophant tells us to be our own guide, because whenever we look outside of ourselves, we're, de you know, we can invalidate or devalue our own experience. And then that kind of brings me into like where I've been, which is in my star year. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been looking forward to this one because I, you know, I was thinking about it. I started Rise of Good Witch in my hanged one year. Uh, so I've been going through all the like hard cards through this and it's been horrifying and great at the same time. Um, and getting to the star, it was like, okay, this is the respite. This is the reprieval. But the star almost for me became like Tower Part 2. <laughs> um, like Tower Part 2 with me with better tools to deal with it. Um, and I think of the star as reciprocity, boundaries, um, accessibility, understanding our accessibility, being able to communicate what we need from others. Mm -hmm. But then also, I think, you know, with the star and the Hierophant together, it's been about, um, oh, I just lost my thought. I just lost it. It was like working up to it. You're saying you went through all the hard cards and you were ready for respite. Mm -hmm. and but you felt like the star was tower too yeah i think it's just been sort of like this idea of like understanding because i've always thought like the star is um in terms of like the sun moon and star the star is about finding your people and recognizing that not everybody is your people like not everyone's going to validate you not everyone's going to be aligned with you not everyone's going to agree with you not everyone's going to understand you and the star is about finding those people and finding community with them so I think like that's definitely, you know, been true for me. Um, but also, um, yeah, like dealing with my autoimmune stuff, mm -hmm. making really good choices for my health, recognizing ways that I still, you know, like there's a lot of unhealthy patterns I had when I was younger that they're still showing up in other ways that I'm like, that's not the same thing. And it really is. Um, and I think star is a good reflection for like who we are in crisis, who we are, um, when we need to take care of ourselves and when we need to rely on ourselves for that care and we're not looking for it outwardly. And the other thing, okay, this is the thing that I was thinking is like, for me, I think this has been a big year of understanding that only I can validate my experience. Like if I can't validate my experiences, if I can't validate my pain, I'm going to be an empty vessel, like looking for everyone else to validate me. And it's never going to fill my vessel. Like I have to be the one to give that to myself. Um, so that's been like a big lesson for the star. It's just like, we have to nurture ourselves and nurture the ones that we love. Um, and we can't like outsource it to someone else, which is also, you know, a reflection of the Hierophant. Yes. Also, I, of course you took like your first podcast break and maybe forever during your star year. So yep. that was also yep. a big part of your regeneration. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. I love hearing that about the hero font. Cause I think, well, one, I, at least since I started reading tarot, the hero font, in fact, the first card that followed me around, um, was the eight of swords. And that followed me around before I even knew I was going to be in cards. It was like, I was at burning man. I would always be finding like the eight of spades or the eight of diamonds, or whenever I found a tarot deck, it would typically be the eight of swords i got when i started reading cards i graduated from the eight of swords category and and the hero font started being the card that showed up for me all the time and uh the way that i thought about it i totally agree with you i think it is very much about um being your own guidance and i think it's also about recognize recognizing the multi-dimensionality of truth and wisdom um, and the reason I think that the hero font represents finding your own guidance is because, and I've been thinking about this recently, like wisdom isn't linear. There's, there's no indication that wisdom is coming down the line. Like you can meet three-year-olds who are wiser than 50-year-olds. So there's no heteronormative linear, uh, like ordered way with which all knowledge is disseminated like anyone can be wiser than you just if they incorporate their experiences with more maturity and like more willingness to acknowledge their issues and that 
is not predicated on on age it's not necessarily even predicated on experience and so i think uh what's wonderful about the hang uh, the hang person i was just looking at that that's one of my cards later folks i ruined it for you but um one of my thoughts about the hero font especially because it feels like it's been the card that's been coming up in my card readings given to me by other people for probably like seven years now at least um it feels very much like the appropriate year of culmination because when we are looking around i mean i've been telling clients since 20 beginning of 2020 that were that you know COVID has created uh it has taken away a veneer that for thousands of years there has been a logical linear ordered sedentary one-dimensional story and then COVID came through and basically helped people realize, oh, like, there's always been 7.5 billion realities. And we've all convinced ourselves that this is the way things had to be because that was the train we're on. But COVID and Earth and like existence came through to remind us that like, that's actually not in the natural order of things and that all things exist at once and all truths are true and that you can choose whatever truth is like truthiest to you which is how i do think we get to the canon and that how we okay QAnon. i don't even know what y'all's are called you conspiracy there's uh that's how we get to the QAnon and how we get to you know rampant like people who arguably have done very well under the I was going to call it the success model, but let me call it the the lead by capitalism model, right? Um, lead by capitalism model, whether that's a teal swan who built a yoga empire as a white lady and and was a part of the Bikram community and also ended up being a QAnon person and all kind of denier. Um, and then we also have, you know, the Jeff Bezoses and these people who are arguably like leading by capitalism. And we're now finally in a watershed moment or an apex moment of that hero font. Wisdom can come from everywhere. We're in the past, let's say in a pre 2019 world where there would still be, I think a larger audience for this kind of success. Oh, you know, he, took his dick spaceship into the exit, like the end of the Earth's atmosphere, not even technically into space, in the end of the Earth's atmosphere for 10 minutes, like goals, you know? And I think that there's less appreciation for that kind of like gratuitous leadership. Um, uh, and so for me, it's a perfect Hierophant year in the sense that you have had to rely on yourself and sometimes even the way that you do that proves to be very temporal you know because i think sometimes we get a routine that we're like oh i i feel secure in this and you're like i'll use this for the rest of my life and then things happen and you're like that wasn't even viable for six months you know <laughs> but but i think that that's very hero fonty in the sense that any expectation of time frames any expectation of order any expectation of like elevation is flipped and we're almost in like a what i like to call the vortex of unequilibrium which is what i tell my clients is the no person's land no man's land between two belief systems when you realize oh what like when you're like oh my god the only thing keeping me from believing in like being a seventh day adventist and an atheist is like my choosing. And sometimes when we realize that, like, oh my God, it's really, I'm the cosigner, then you fall into the vortex of equilibrium and you're like, oh my God, I'm in control. It's me. How will I do this? The earth is crazy. And then you get to this point where you're like, okay, relax. <laughs> I've been doing this choosing my whole life. I just wasn't aware I was doing this choosing. And so I think the hero font is aware of how much they are choosing their belief, their destiny, their ideology. And, and I totally agree that it leaves you with a lot of enthusiasm to believe something, but because we're in a, a world of, of snake oil 
salespeople. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just sort of funny. I mean, I'm not going to deny as a hero fond person and just as like a sar sarcastic social justice war warrior. I think it's funny to see how how logical or how rational or how like together humanity imagines itself to be. And then one thing happens and you're like, not so much, right? So that's the funny part, but it's also interesting just to see how unsupported people felt by the belief systems that they had, which is why everything has sort of gone out mm -hmm. rather than stacked up. So I find the hero font year to be like that. And then I was talking to Corinna before we started about what technically my, my uh, tarot year is. And it's either if we do double digits, it's death. If we do one digit, it's emperor. Um, and I mean, in the relationship between them, it definitely feels like the death of the emperor um, in general. Uh, and it continues to be a death card year for me for the obvious reasons. Obviously, the when we did Tarot for Grief, which I guess was in winter of 2020 yeah. is that when we we must have been because that's when my dad passed um so i've been just dealing with the aftermath of that for some time um and just the recognition of i i guess this sounds like a not so great but like the life goes on aspect of death where you're like oh you know this is actually what we call death is a change and now that this change has happened the space has to be filled differently. Um, I talk about this with people whose parents passed or family members passed who are important. It's like the entire, and this is true of friend groups too, of course, and spiritual communities and stuff. Everybody takes up space and that space allows everybody else to take up the space they're taking. So when someone passes or transitions from the earth, that space is vacated and now everyone has to rearrange their space taking in that space. And I think with families that happens, especially if you're in a friend group that's close knit like a family, that can be the really like dramatic, like destruction, decomposition aspect of death where you're like negotiating emotional, spiritual, physical territory, trying to fulfill a role that had been taken as far as you knew for the for the whole entirety of your life <laughs> or you know for the entirety of the time that it did so that very you know we very much still feel like we're in the decay era of the death cycle i very much know i'm in the decay area of the death cycle still shedding a lot of things and mostly shedding i wouldn't even call them expectations because i think in this line of business expectations is relative like <laughs> what you're going to be doing with your career in 10 years when you're in the spiritual, you know, like we're making this shit up as we go along. But the death of any, and I already didn't use the word normal, like a regular word, but like any idea of normalcy has kind of been laid to rest during my death year. Whereas I'm like, yeah, I mean, we're good, you know, not quite the dog in the house burning, but like, you know, whenever we watch these post-apocalyptic films or these like major event films, terrible things are happening like they're happening in the world all the time in different regions than let's call what we call the first world. But in an apocalyptic film, it's almost like this hyper awareness that you are in those films like fighting for survival. And then you're like, but survival of what? what do I even care about? Like, what am I trying to preserve? What's the point of all this? If it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. And that's where I'm at right now, which is like, okay, well, if the day if the world ends tomorrow, or if someone else dies, like what matters to me. And that's been kind of 2021, which is why it's not. It hasn't been consistent. Uh, nothing has happened from one month to the next that has gone the way that I thought it would. <laughs> um, but I've survived it all and I've managed it and I still have a sense of humor. So I also find for 
for some reason that humor is a necessary part of the death card. But maybe that's because I have hero font energy, so I'm re recognizing it as change on a cellular level, even though it's like death happens to generally be change I don't prefer. It's still natural change in the order of existence. So I appreciate it because even, I mean, and this is true of our generation, I think, like even the way that death is spoken about has to go through a reconstruction, just the way that society and life was talked about with COVID being like, <laughs> it's just like, and I'm, and I don't, and I, to be honest, I don't think COVID is the death reckoner. Like when I was reading, I was doing an article on the invention of whiteness, her presentation. And I was just looking through the history of Europe through from 1000 to 2000, like literally there's been so, 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 so many wars. And, oh, why did I say that? I was talking about death. Uh, oh right yeah. yeah so i um the bubonic plague this thing lasted like 10 years yeah. 35 million people died in 10 years we're looking at 600,000 people with covid which is more than all of our 1900 wars combined world war one world war two vietnam all of these korean war every war we've ever fought so and people and look at people this is what people are doing, you know, at, at half a million. Imagine 35 million people in a day, in a year, in an in incident, you know, like tsunamis happening all the time. That brings people into a place of, I think, sobriety that we haven't quite hit yet. We're not in the sobriety phase of death yet. So it's still really messy and emotional and reactive. And 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 in the youth stage you know the i think the first stages of death or grief are like our child stage where we're like fuck all this and terrible and hate you so we're still there i feel a little bit removed from that but i completely i'm not surprised and understand the witnessing of it um even in my own life <laughs> wow there was so much that you just said that like ties into like other cards I'm thinking about. So I'm going to try to like pull okay. from that. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, there is a lot um, that you said that's true about, and and just, yeah, putting that into perspective. Thank you for putting that into perspective of like, we have lost more than half a million people and people are like, don't tell me to wear a mask. I want to go to a baseball game, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> And you're just like, and that is just a level of cultural denial that has been happening. I mean, it's definitely been happening since the quote unquote birth of a nation, <laughs> but it has also been happening, I'm sure, like throughout time. Yes. Um, of just like, I want to believe that things are staying this way. And uh, yeah, a lot of this I'm going to tie, I'm, I'm going to like stop that because a lot of this goes into some of the other cards Okay. that I chose um so let's go to we both chose six of swords and you I had thought about it. I've been thinking about six of swords all year and I forgot to mention it and then you brought it up and I was like I don't want to steal I'm not trying to steal your thunder <laughs> but I also want to talk about that so um I guess uh I'll go first I wanted you to go first but since um yeah I just talked yeah fair yeah. enough so the six of swords is interesting because um, I wanted to start by saying, and I emailed you about this, um, one of my students in Terra School for Liberation said this, and they said where they got this, or maybe they made this interpretation up. If you are listening, student, I don't remember who you are, I'm <laughs> credit, so please send me a message and tell me that you were the one that said this, so I can, like, give you a shout out. Um, a student said that the Six of Swords was the, the current self the self in this moment, giving the child self and the elder self, um, taking the, the child self and the elder self on a journey for personal betterment in that moment. So the idea of like the work that you do today is for your future self and for your inner child. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because the way that I see Six of Swords, you know, obviously the sword suit is one that brings up a lot of negative emotions for people. Um, people tend to think of it as really like, um, 
car sell and like punitive. And really, I think that's a testament to our own minds and kind of like what you're talking about with like leadership and capitalism and, you know, Teal Swan and Jeff Bezos and these like people, um, you know, when there's too much thinking that can become rumination. And that's like something I really teach around the swords is that like, this is about perception. This isn't necessarily about what's going on around you. This is about your, your perception of what's going on around you. So when we see the six of swords and I still haven't like fully grasp, you know, I'm going to be in a process of fully grasping all the cards for my whole life. But I think like the thing about six of swords is I see it as one of the really, um, um, I guess like for lack of a better word, like positive or um, hopeful cards in the swords because we see someone doing work that they don't need, they don't, there's no reward to the work in the six of swords. It's work that you have to do. It's necessary. It's necessary for growth, for liberation, for healing, but it's not fun. A lot of times I see the six of swords as like a death doula card, a palliative care card, um, accountability process. It's like something that is not fun, but it, you're doing it for the greater good of your life um, and for the lives of someone else. So sometimes that's why I think like death doula, palliative care. It's like, I think like a caregiving element comes up in this. Like you have to take care of someone because that's what you need to do to be, you know, a part of like a greater society, a greater community, a family unit, a family structure. Um, and it, it's not, you know, there's no reward on the other side of it. It's just like an obligation, but it's an obligation that will make you better. Um, how that goes on to the seven, because I think the seven is very conniving. I don't, that's the part where I'm like, you know, if you're doing a noble act of the six of swords, why do you end up at the seven, thus the eight, thus the nine, you know? But um, with the six, I think also something I was really thinking about is like this idea, um, I'm going to look at my notes because I like took notes on all this. Um, and I also wrote down, by the way, flower essences I recommend for each of you. Hey, exciting. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like, yeah, definitely. It's like a difficult, necessary journey. You need a lot of focus and concentration. You know, one thing that like Rachel Pollock mentions in 78 degrees of wisdom is about like the fragility of the canoe, you know, three people in the canoe on the water. Like you have to have a lot of focus and concentration and the stakes are high. You've got six swords in there. So you have to be focused to make sure the canoe doesn't topple over. Um, and then I also think about this because you know the swords are air the element of air but we see so much water in this card like at mm -hmm. least in the traditional depiction in the smith rider wave um and what i think about that like so if water's emotions and swords are intellect and thought process um and consciousness you know there's obviously we want to bring those together that's the ideal way of being you know that's like the ideal like hierophant spiritual guidance way is for our thoughts to be aligned with our emotions, you know, to them and, and the lack of that happening, which is again, like goes back to a lot of what you're saying about, you know, people just like not accepting that, you know, we're in this, you know, time of uh, great, you know, loss and death. And like you said, it isn't like the ultimate, like we've got more stuff coming um, th there, the idea of falling into the water. So there is this sort of like emotional, um, there's sort of like, it's almost kind of like the way that we both began this conversation where we're both like, I'm good, but like everything <laughs> crazy is sort of like, you have to do what you need to do to get through the difficult moments. You know, it's like, things are going to be hard and there's no, there's no way through it. You know, there's no way out, but through, or what's that statement? Like, um, only way out is through, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The only way out is through. Yeah. So it's sort of like that. It's like the emotions are there. You're grounded in the emotions. You're protected from them. And I thought about that, like, you know, and we're both talking about grief and like losing someone, you know, and I feel like when I first went through an experience of losing someone that I was very, very close to, like that first day, it really felt like I was in a wrap. It felt like the emotions were all around me, but I had no access to them and I couldn't feel them because the shock was right. so great. You know, I don't know if that, you know, that is relatable to you as well, but it's like almost like that six of swords is like, you're just trying to get to point A to point B. 
there's no space right now to like get into all of this grief. And I feel like for me also like Hierophant year has been like that. Like there's a lot of things that I need to grieve and accept from this last year, a lot of loss. And, um, you know, you know, also just like my health, like dealing with health stuff, dealing with relational stuff that I can't, it's, it's not always fully safe to like be in those emotions, you know? Uh 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 So it's like, there's some protection in that as well. Um, and then the, I have the, uh, for people that are watching the video, the, um, uh, Sarah Calvary's eighth house tarot has the astrological association. So six of, uh, swords is Mercury and Aquarius. So we think about that as like really, you know, really innovative, um, but also kind of detached communication, you know, again, because uh-huh. we think Aquarius is being a, like kind of emotionally detached, most emotionally removed while being also very like innovative. Um, and the flower essences that I thought of, um, for this card would be, you know, somebody who's like dealing with something like this would definitely be like Ocotillo, um, which it has like a grief component, has boundaries component. You know, we have to think about boundaries when we're doing hard work for others, when we're trying to protect ourselves from like, you know, losing ourselves in our own emotions, our own grief. Um, Mullen because of the grief, Mullen because of, you know, the strength of it. And then Moonstone Essence is actually for traveling over water. So I thought that was perfect. Then I put Star of Bethlehem because that's like a really good essence for trauma healing work and inner child work. Mm. Yeah. And also when you're saying borders, you have to think of the borders of the boat. Like (laughs) there's only so much room in there for you to maneuver. Um, That's wonderful. I wanted to, when you said Teal Swan, I had to go look up that name because I was like, I might be fucking this up because I'm not a yogi. I totally was fucking it up. Teal Swan is like an American critic who I was talking about. Okay. Guru Jagat. Oh, okay. Yes, Guru Jagat is who's Teal Swan is very much alive and very much not a yogi. So apologies to you, Teal Swan, and to your ancestors. Guru Jagat is who created um, the applied yogic Rama. You know, she created Rama on the applied yogic sciences and technology. It was huge Venice, like white woman lattes brand. And she's the one who just passed away this month at 41. Oh, okay. Guru Jagat, okay, audience, not Till Swan. I know people who were listening and knowing were like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, so the Six of Swords. I chose the Six of Swords for, let me look up our title again, because it's actually very important for our title. Uh, Tara for adapting to post-pandemic world approaching climate collapse. So the reason that I chose the Six of Swords, and you'll see from me, audience, that I mostly chose Major Arcana. So the Six of Swords is actually pretty significant because I only chose two minor Arcana cards. But I chose it because I feel like the Six of Swords is one of the most neutral grief cards in the tarot. Um, There's a lot of grief cards, obviously. We have the Nine of Swords, Lamentation, we have the Five of Cups, we have the Six of Swords, to an extent we even have, like, the Eight of Wands, like, cards that were, like, why me kind of thing. Um, And the Six of Swords is very much like, in the way that you were describing it, it's not about where you're coming from or your destination, it's about the journey with the Six of Swords, and it's about where you're at. And it's about dealing with where you're at and crossing, you know, getting out of the boat once you arrive at land and not worrying about the land until you're out of the boat. And I think there's a temporalness to the Six of Swords um, that's actually really necessary for that air and intellect energy, especially the the aspect that you said about it being in the water, because I always talk about the swords as intellect intellectual intelligence or intellectualizing emotions and the example i love to give to people about that is like wow i'm like so depressed and like heartbroken is what your feelings tell you that's your emotional intelligence giving you information and then your mind's like we don't have time to be heartbroken bitch like you gotta go make money fuck your grief and and your feelings are like whoa very rude (laughs) we're still here but okay, I guess we're going back to work and we'll just shut up while we're over there. And it's how you invalidate your own self because in our, you know, patriarchal supremacy ideationist 
civilization, we have overemphasized the necessity of intellectual intelligence over even the in, uh, bodily intelligence or emotional intelligence or spiritual intelligence or erotic intelligence, environmental intelligence. Any of these things have been overridden by the idea that like the, the mind is supposed to figure it out. And the idea, the thing I love to give to people is like your intellect, your body and your emotions are a team, you know, and I and I love to use the fire as an example. It's like when you're young, your mind thinks the idea of touching fire is cool. It's it's ephemeral. It's interesting. It's warm. If you watch enough movies or read enough books, you probably think that like you can do that without being hurt because there's all sort of like fire power fantasies in the American like <laughs> archetypal mind uh, in the American, but in the global archetypal mind. And um, and yet your body will be like, don't do that because it's going to hurt you. The mind doesn't know that the mind just wants to do what it wants. It's the emotional intelligence between those two that allows you to make the best decision because some people don't mind being burned. Maybe they're like, that was cool. I'll survive whatever burnt them, but I'll practice that. Other people are like, I don't like feeling burned, so I'm not going to do that again. And it's your emotional intelligence that allows you to make course correcting decisions between what your intellect wants to do and what your body knows it is it has been capable of because I think we teach our body and we teach ourselves all the time that whoa I didn't know I had that in me or like no wonder I passed out and have a you know autoimmune issue I was ignoring my allergies for 10 years personally speaking for myself so I think with swords even though it's a a less loved minor arcana suit it's less love because the intellectual intelligence is overemphasized and so it has become a critic where it's like oh you want me to do that job too oh you want me to do that job too oh you want me to do that job too so i always tell people in tarot like swords is our negotiations with ourself cups is our negotiations in our one-on-one -on -one intimate relationships wands is our negotiation with our identity versus how the world receives us and that pentacles is our negotiation with the actual physical environment and so of course people don't like swords because you have to deal with yourself and i like the six of swords because it's only you on that boat even in the old-fashioned tarot where there's the wayfarer you know for instance in this this is the melanated uh rider weight but it's like this person is typically like a silent figure even in Greek mythology and stuff, they it's almost like they're a, like a foil or um, a guy like in a video game where they're just the person that you go to to get the information and they repeat themselves like they're only programmed with that information. And so they're there to get you somewhere, but not to give you something. And so even when you're on this boat, you're like, you're not talking to this guy. He's not telling you where you're going. You don't have any information like that. You're just, it's you and whoever else is on there talking about what's going to happen. And it makes me think a lot of um, people who transport humans during times of uh, oppression or warfare, you know, like the, the mules bringing people from you know, Central and Latin America across the borders, the people who were smuggling uh, Jews out of Europe. It's like they're limited in what they can actually inform you about because they are not the, the deciders of what's happening. They are, if anything, go-betweens. They're passing as legitimate land people, right? And what people don't know is in between them seeing them on the land, they're out here smuggling people on the boat. And it's an emotional, the water aspect is an emotional purpose. It's not so intellectualized, but it requires aligning our emotional purpose with our intellect so that we can actually execute the plan that we prefer as opposed to just feeling resolved, right? Like people who are still in the Five of Swords or people who are in the Seven of Swords in that context Five of Swords is like people who would have or who tried to help 
and it went badly and then they're even more traumatized and maybe even resentful like why do you have to have you know why do you have to be a jew and need help i tried to help last time and everybody got killed and now i feel even worse about myself so i'm definitely not going to help you and if anything i'm just gonna and then you get the seven of swords where it's like well fuck it all i'm just gonna do this system so that i never have to get on that boat again because i can't take that responsibility it's like too much to be neutral and so it's these very intellectually negotiative states in the five and the seven and the six is just like almost just resolve like don't ask me too many questions i'm gonna get you on this truck i'm gonna get you across the border and after that what you do is your business i don't know none of that i only know about transport <laughs> you just like <laughs> that was so good i love the idea of six of swords being like emotional intelligence i love the idea of wow you just like blew my mind with that connection between six and seven because it's like maybe to me like the seven is like when you give the keys to the ego and the ego's gonna fuck it up because you're like i feel wounded and then the ego's like well i'm gonna like protect you <laughs> yes not good you know thank you for listening to the rise up good witch podcast if you want to support the show go to patreon.com slash rise up good witch where a pledge of $5 or more per month gets you access to extra content and helps support the production of the show. And go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. You can also check out the website for tarot readings and apothecary and other offerings. Thanks so much, y'all. See you next time.